We're going to start a new uh, sermon series today, and we're going to go through summer uh, talking about the end times. And this is a how-to guide to not fear the unknown. So as we go through uh, the summer session here, and sure there's some uh, summer slumps and all that and vacations and everybody having a great time getting out of school, all the kids and all the parents are so happy they're at home and all that, right, that you don't get to send them to school through the day and you have to put up with them all day. It's awesome. So uh, good luck with that. Have a great time. But we're going to talk about the end times uh, in Scripture and different accounts and different things. Uh, and topics as we go through uh, the summer, talking about end times. And in the end times, we know in Scripture that the Bible gives us some insight into some things that will take place, and it gives us uh, some very clear directions on, on events and different things that happen. But when we talk about the end times, is there anybody in the room that's a know-it-all on end times? So you're like the... A theologian that just got it all uh, down pat, and you know exactly the timeline of events, and you can take us through the chronological order of the whole Bible and just let us know every event that happened and when and who was around and what they was going through, and then you get to today, and then you know I'm living like today, and then I know all the future, and I know every event that's going to happen, and there's no questions, and I know exactly in great detail, and I can explain all to you. Is anybody in here like that? Because if you are, I'll hand the mic over. And I'll gladly sit down and listen because uh, I've studied for 20 years now, uh, studied the Bible. I, I love reading the Bible and, and digging in and finding Jewish customs and just, there's all, and the Bible never ends. No matter how long you've been a Christian, it never ends. And you can continue learning your whole entire life. And I know people in their 80s and 90s that studied the scripture and been a Christian just about their entire life and still is finding new truths and uh, digging up other nuggets of truth in the Bible. And I think we need to do that. Amen. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, but rightly divide the word of truth. So uh, that's Paul was telling Timothy that. And we need to study the scriptures to know these things. And, and as the job as the pastor, it's my job to set some things before you that you need to know about as far as uh, what to expect and kind of things and some doctrines. And that's my uh, job description, according to the Bible, is to teach you and lead you in all truth. So that's what I'm going to attempt to do today and the remainder of the summer here through the sermon series about the end times. So there's no know-it-alls, so we all just got to go with it that there's some unknowns. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know it all. There's some unknowns in this stuff. I don't, I, I don't know it yet. And I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to tell you all of it today because I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to clear you up on the end times in one sermon, and I won't be able to clear you up in eight weeks, and I'll be able to teach end times until Jesus comes back, and we'll still be learning some other truths out of Scripture about the end times. And that's okay. Amen. So today I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to read that chapter, and it's the text for our sermon series. So we're looking through just a few short verses here. I think it's 17 of them, I believe, in this uh, chapter, and we're going to look at it for end times. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hopefully you don't hear my belly growling because i got a microphone and my belly's growling today. I don't know what the deal is. I ate pizza at 7.30 last night. I should be in good shape right now, but it's not happening. So Apparently this needs to be a short sermon, right, Dennis? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Second Timothy chapter 3. <laughs> okay, here, let's start it off. Verse 1. But know this. So I just told you about all the things you don't know. And our first verse says, but know this. Paul told uh, Timothy, know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Can I get a good amen from the parents? It should have been a better amen than that. I've been around some of your kids. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, 
without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For this is the sort who creep into households and make captive of gullible women, loaded down with the sins, led away by various lusts. Also, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no farther, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly, in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing that from whom you have learned them, and that from a childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which, able, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. This is one of my favorite scriptures. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this scripture that we read today. God, we pray that this end time series would allow it to be allow the word of God to become truth in our lives and Lord that we could walk out what we're talking about Lord that we would be ready that we would be prepared in this season of the end times help us to see to know and to understand clearly in Jesus name we pray everybody says amen, amen. so as we're looking at Today at this sermon series, End Times, I want us to think about one of the end time events and if I would put it in chronological order myself of the studying that I've done that, and there's so many theologians and many people before me that have studied scripture and, and they believe this to be true according to the Bible that the next event that will happen in the end time paradigm is the rapture of the church. So the very next thing that we need to be aware of or cognizant of is that there is going to be a rapture of the church. Has anybody ever heard of the rapture? You can look in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I believe it's verse 17, and it talks about a catching away of the church that Paul was telling the church of Thessalonica about. And it's where we get this doctrine of the rapture from that Paul speaks about it and he talks about it to the church that we need to be because all this scripture is given by inspiration right so it doesn't matter what I'm reading in the Bible it says here in Timothy that all this scripture is given by inspiration of God for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness so as we think about this term, the rapture, the main thing that I want us to leave with here today is to know to be prepared. If you know there's going to be a rapture, if you know there's a catching away of the saints, that Jesus is coming back and he's going to receive the church unto himself and he's going to take us with him and we're going to go to heaven and you want to be a part of that, the thing you need to do the most is to be prepared. So if this is a how-to guide is what this sermon series is about. I want to teach you how to be prepared. Amen? You, how many wants to be prepared? How many wants to go on the rapture? Because that's the next event, and I want to go to heaven. Amen? 
Sign me up. Beam me up, Scotty, if you want to say it that way. I'm ready to go. Amen. Some people's afraid of flying. My mother being one, she's afraid of flying. She's afraid of boats. She's not afraid of cars. She'll jump in it and head for the dollar store wide open. It's not a problem on land. <laughs> Sitting at the country kitchen yesterday morning eating breakfast and my big hearty breakfast that I had and some guy come in and sat down next to us and sitting there talking to him and something on the TV come across there and there was some guy in a jet pack flying around and as he was looking and he was talking about the jet pack and he said that he heard that they would not allow it to be legal to have jet packs because Americans were too stupid to put gas in their cars and let them run out so they definitely wouldn't give us jet packs because we'd be falling out of the sky. Amen. Anybody else run around on empty? Amen. I'll, I'll, I'll take the chances even on the, on the light coming on. You know what I mean? If the light comes on, hey, you, it used to just be you went by gauge, no timers. You know, now they put this little dummy light on there for dummies like me. And when the light comes on, I think I still got 50 miles. I got this. So Howie was sitting there eating breakfast with me, and Howie was telling about two of his neighbors that was, he went out one time, and he seen them out, and they'd run out of gas. And they said, well, I thought I had 52 miles left. It's only 33 miles from where I left when the light come on, so he was planning on having more than he probably did. Also, I've heard people say that, uh, you know, if, if God wanted us to fly, people won't fly, they won't get in an airplane. They'll say, if God wants to fly, he'd give us wings, right? Uh, uh, oftentimes, people say that. You know, if he wanted you to fly, he'd give you wings. Well, he didn't give you wings, so you're not flying, so they use that as an excuse. So I want us to look at this rapture event and look at it according to Scripture and get to truth about what God wants us to know. And will I tell you that there's going to be some unknowns about the rapture? Absolutely. I believe you can study rapture the rest of your Christian life and pick apart Scripture and go through Old Testament prophets and all the New Testament and Jesus' teaching and all Paul's writing of epistles and you can put that all together and get you a good picture of the rapture and study about it and dig in. And you can do that for Years and years and years, and you're still going to have some unknowns about the rapture. That'll be okay. So I want to give you the basics, right? I want to give you the parts that the Bible teaches about the rapture in a snapshot during one sermon and hopefully not too many minutes. How to prepare. Jesus gives us warnings. He told us in John chapter 14 that he was going to go away and prepare a place for us, right? We hear this at all the funerals. He said, if I go away, I'll come back and receive you to myself. He told us he's going to make mansions for us, right? That's a place that says that in John chapter 14. Jesus teaches us to be prepared. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 25 that there's ten virgins, and we preached about that a few weeks ago, and how he wants you to be prepared. He wants you to be the wise virgins that's awake and alert and with oil in your lamp and your wicks trimmed and you're ready to go. So if this is the next event that's going to happen in the end time events and we're planning to be prepared for it, I want us to get a few pictures from Scripture of what would that look like? What would a rapture look like? A lot of people say a picture is worth a thousand words. I say a picture, but picture. Maybe I need to be more precise in my enunciation. Picture. I want a picture of that, a snapshot of that. So as I look through Scripture and I dig through Scripture, I see oftentimes that there's a few people in Scripture that's had a rapture-type experience already, and they wrote about it in Scripture, and all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for us for doctrine today. So as I look at this, if you look in Revelations, you'll see John the Revelator. He says he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and he was caught up into heaven. So if you read the, the book of Revelations, and that's where a lot of our end times is, and everybody's scared to read Revelations, and it's, I can't understand it, and it's got all these symboli symbolizing things, and I can't understand all that, but that's okay because John was there, and he was praying, and he was on the Isle of Patmos, and he was a prisoner that was busting up little rocks, making little rocks out all day, and he was there, and on the Lord's Day, he was in the Spirit, and he was caught up into heaven. How many would like that? That God would pull you up and, and show you a few things about heaven, amen, about future events. And that can still happen. If God will do it for John, he will do it for you. 
He'll still rapture people and allow you to leave this earthly realm and go into a heavenly realm, and he can show you some things. I really believe that. But that's on an individual basis. So I believe that there's individual type raptures that can take place that you can see things that you can't see from here. And he can show you some insight into some things that are yet to come. He did it for John. And John painted this picture and he shows all these things and he, he writes these letters to these seven churches and he, he's just spelling out some things that God showed him during this raptured event. And that's what the book of Revelation is. It's not a book of unrevelation. It's a book of revelation. It's something he saw that he explained that he wrote down in words and it's, it's something we need to take account of and we shouldn't shy away from. We shouldn't say, well, I don't know about that revelation. I'll just leave that to somebody else and I won't read that. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. How do we know that heaven's got streets of gold? How do we know that there's walls of jasper and gates of pearl and all these things that John paints this picture for us what heaven's going to be like because he saw it. He was raptured into that moment where that he saw and he explained to us what it's going to be like. I can't understand what streets of gold is going to look like. That's the best picture I could come up with that I put on the, on the slide, that the, what streets of gold would look like. I think they just took a brick road and kind of turned it gold myself. I don't know what they've done there. It's pretty cool looking either way, right? So John had this experience of a rapture. On the Lord's day. And he was worshiping. And I believe that that's still possible today. That you can, you can be in your hiding place. That you could be in your closet. That you could be going through some... Uh, the Bible says here in, in, in Timothy that in the last days perilous times will come. There's troublesome times. And whenever we're in trouble, where do we need to go? We need to go to our hiding place, right? You need to have a prayer closet. And I believe you can get down on your knees and you can pray and seek God and listen to some Christian music and just get in this place and this mindset where you're saying, God, I want more and I need more revelation. And he'll show you. Paul says that he'll not withhold any good thing from you. He wants you to know and understand. John done that. You can too. Also, if you go and look in Scripture, it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul the Apostle, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul the Apostle is writing back to the church at Corinth and he's talking to them and he's explaining some things to them and he, he tells them, he says, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body, but all I know is that I was taken up to the third heaven. He was raptured, he knew it, and he explained it. But he said, as I was raptured up, if you read all of that chapter 12, he'll say, I'm not going to boast about how I'm better than you because I've been raptured. He just says, I've been shown some things, but I would rather talk about my weaknesses. And he starts talking about how that he, he had weaknesses, that, that there was a thorn in his flesh that he had to deal with. And, and Paul goes into this thing, and, and there's a rapture-type moment for Paul. And it's Paul the apostle that, that preaches that, Plants churches that is a missionary and does all this stuff, and, but he's raptured. And he talks about it in the Bible. So there's two. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Amen? It paints a picture for us what that would be like. But also, I believe the greatest account that there is in the Scripture about a raptured moment the clearest picture I know we're going to read in just a moment is Jesus. Jesus was raptured. Today is Pentecost Sunday. You might know that. Today is Pentecost Sunday on the Jewish calendar. It's a feast that happens once a year that the Jewish people are grateful There's some fruits that you can gather right now. Michelle's got a couple of nice tomatoes on her plants down there at Maysville. If anybody's swinging by, she said just go ahead and stop in and pick them. She'll be fine. <laughs> Pentecost Sunday happens every year. So if we want to see what that's like for Jesus, I want you to flip over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1.
Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read what a rapture-type moment was for Jesus. So this is Luke, the physician, writing this, the gospel of Luke that we, you know, that's in your New Testament. Luke writes a, a gospel, and then later on he writes another book, and it's the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Luke is not one of the apostles, but he writes about it. Acts chapter 1, this former account I made, O Theosphilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day which he was taken up. After he, though, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles, whom he had also chosen, to whom he presented himself, after he suffered many infallible proofs, being seen by them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4. So he's, what, Jesus was on the cross. Easter happens. His death, burial, and resurrection. He's in the ground for three days. He comes out on the third day. Mary and all the ones go and see him. We know that according to the Gospels. And then after the Gospels, it don't explain much. So Luke thinks, I need to write some scriptures here. And he's inspired by God to write these things down of how did the account take place. If we didn't have the book of Acts, we wouldn't know this. This is the accounts, Luke says, of the things that followed the Gospels. So Jesus hung out with them for 40 days. How cool would that be? <laughs> his death, burial, and resurrection, he's walking around, got scars in his hand, scars in his feet, got a big place in his side where they stabbed him in the ribs, and he's walking around talking with them. Then it's 40 days. And this is his disciples that have scared and run away and, and didn't stay by his side during the event on the cross. And Jesus comes and finds them after they abandoned him. And I'm here to tell you today, I think he stands beside of you when you leave him. He'll chase you down. It is like that reckless love of that song. It's unending. It's unfailing. He will follow you all the way to the end. He will never let you go. You might leave him, but he won't leave you. So as we're seeing this, 40 days Jesus hung out with these people. That'd be awesome. I'd like to hang out with him 40 days. I'd like to hang out with him one day, wouldn't you? They got 40 days of him after he resurrected. He got his glorified body. He's standing there talking to them. He makes them, a, a, as Dusty said a few weeks ago, he made them a, a, a breakfast out there, a fish breakfast out there beside the seashore whenever he went back and found them. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He's telling them, tarry in Jerusalem, wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, look ahead, go forward thinking, and they're still here in their earthly mind saying, we want a king. Isn't it crazy? How earthly-minded we are. Peter was so earthly-minded that he didn't want Jesus to die and go on the cross or end up in the tomb or resurrect because he wanted a king on this earth. Peter chopped a guy's ear off to try to keep Jesus here. How far will we go to live an earthly life whenever God tells us to live a godly life preparing for tomorrow? Amen? To prepare for eternal things. Jesus teaches his disciples to, to plan ahead, to look forward, to prepare. Amen. And here they are. He's teaching them again. And he says, look, I, I'm here. I've been with you 40 more days. But I'm telling you, stay in Jerusalem and seek this Holy Spirit thing and wait on it. It's a promise from God. Uh, well, who, well, who's the king going to be, Jesus? He's like, why, why are you worried about an earthly king? It don't matter who the president is. Come on, somebody. It don't matter. Why? Because God's in control. In the last days, perilous times will come. So it don't matter who's in the White House. It matters who's in heaven. 
And God's on the throne, so guess what, church? We're going to be okay. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to walk in fear and faint and worry and pity and all these different things about what's going on in my life. Why? Because God's got this. Got to wait, though. <laughs> it's in the wait what we do is what matters. Jesus said, wait. Oh, I don't want a king, Jesus. Don't worry about that, dudes. It's going to be okay. God's still on the throne. But Jesus, who's going to be king? Where am I at? I got off track, sorry. I love you anyway. Seven. Thank you, Greg. He's paying attention. Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when he come together, and they asked him, saying, Lord, would this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times and seasons which the fathers put in his authority. You don't have to know everything. There can be some unknowns about the rapture. Somebody say amen. There can be some unknowns about the end time events that's going to take place. And I know that mega churches get these big billboards and they sell books and everybody is all about this explaining and trying to name when the time's going to be and all this stuff. I'm okay with that. Do whatever you want. Guess what? I'm going to occupy until he comes because that's what he told me to do. Amen. I ain't going to worry about all that. I've got some unknowns and it don't matter. Why? Because God is going to show up when he wants to show up. Not when I want, not when you want. You can't make him come. He'll come when he's ready. It's not for you to know that. You don't have to know everything. Humans want to be know-it-alls, and we think we are, but God knows way more than we do. He knows better than we do. He's got a plan for your life, and you don't have to plan it because he's got it all laid out. Jeremiah was told, I knew you before you was in your mother's womb. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you health and give you an expected end. Amen? Amen? How many wants that from God? A destined, designed course, and that's, that's good for me, that he knows what is best for me, and I just need to accept it. Amen. Better go on. It's not for you to know the times or season which the Father's put in his own authority, but you shall. Everybody say but. but. Put a but in everything that changes everything. Everybody say, I love you. I love you. <laughs> then if you say but, <laughs> takes all that away, don't it? So, Brother Craig, you went to Mrs. Craig every time and said, I love you, but that, that would, you know, eventually she'd be like, does he love me or not? <laughs> what's, what's going on here? A butt changes everything. Amen? Keep your butt out of it. That's... So he's telling us God's got it in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How many likes power? God kind of power. Power changes lives. The power that my drug addicted neighbor can be set free by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. That, that I've got people that live around me and I've got people in my community that does this stuff that it's talking about in the last days perilous times will come. It's here, folks. Guess what? But we have power. Amen. The church has power to see it through. The, the church has power to do what God called us to do that will have people saved that used to be lost. It'll have people that's walking around bewildered by what's going on in their life, and it gives them a direction. Why? Because I found God. I found purpose. I found what God said for me the way Paul did in Timothy. Amen. Sure, you don't know the times and seasons. Sure, you've got some unknowns. Jesus is saying, I know all that, but you'll receive, you will receive power. Amen. This word is dunamis, actually. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's an explosive power. It's outside of the normal power. Amen? How many would like that? Power to see change in you, in your household, in your community, in your nation, and in your world. I would desire that. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus is telling this to 11 ragtag cowards that run away when the crucifixion happened. And he says, you're going to be witnesses to me. 
I preached a sermon on this once, and I can't do it again right now, but I'll tell you this. If you want to feel more of God in your life, if you want to find Jesus, be a witness out there. I promise you. We're witnessing to each other in here, and this feels real good. If you'll get out there and witness and watch somebody come to Jesus, you don't have to tell them to come to church. Jesus said, go unto them. Go on the highways and byways, right? He told us to go. And if you want to get Jesus, that's where you're going to find him. Is he in this church service today? Absolutely. But he said, you'll be witnesses to me. Didn't he? So where's he at? He's everywhere else. Even in lost communities. Even in lost nations. And we can look at Iraq, and I remember people, when 9-11 happened, they said, just go over and drop a nuclear bomb, turn it all to ice, and let God sort it out. Is that a very godly thing to say? Of people's soul that's going to go burn in hell for eternity if somebody don't win them to Jesus? Is that the church's answer? Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Right? If we want to be godlike and do scripture, we got to be different than the humans around us that lives an ungodly life. Verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And when they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them, white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up to you from heaven into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. See, that's why we normally read our Bible, ain't it? It's like blah, 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 blah. It's like the woman on the Muppets or whatever, Charlie Brown. Muppets does it too. So as we see this, what kind of event is this and how many times have we read across this? And Jesus is having Luke write down details of a rapture event. And we look at this as a rapture. Think about these 11 hooligans that Jesus chose that probably nobody else would have chose. If you assemble on the board for a new corporation, you're going to do this great work and take on the world and be the dominant force of all of the world, you probably wouldn't have chose this group that Jesus chose. The same way that you can look around this room and think, well, this is a ragtag-looking bunch in here. Amen? You wouldn't think that Jesus would choose a group like this. Look at Jason. He's got pink pants on, for Lord's sake. <laughs> I had to get on him again. I got him twice. In one service. Yeah. I turned around to Brennan in a minute ago. I told Brennan, I said, he's doing something fist bump me or something. I said, I ain't scared of you. I said, your dad wears pink pants. <laughs> it's okay. You got to have confidence to wear pink pants. I, I'm with you, Jason. I got a pink shirt at home. Leslie says it's peach, but it looks pink to me. I don't know. So we need to look at this to see this picture of a rapture and say what was it like and what happened and we can get some details. And this will give us some knowns that takes away the unknowns of Thessalonica, uh, the, the, the book of Thessalonica where it says that they'll be caught up, that there's going to be a trumpet of God and we know there's going to be a rapture. But what's the picture of it look like? I want more details. Well, God gives us more details. The best way to study scripture is to compare scripture with scripture. Amen. You can make some weirdo doctrines if you just get one little verse and take it out of context. I've seen it happen way too many times. I've been guilty myself. Amen. Amen. Until God shows me. I, I made some mistakes right here within a few verses of this one time. And I said some things that I, I thought was right and I thought I was right, but God showed me I was wrong. Amen. Amen. But here he's painting a picture of what the uh, first... Thessalonians chapter 4, 17 is telling us there's going to be a catching away of the church. Here he's giving us a picture of what that'll look like. Now when he's spoken these things, so Jesus is talking. Amen? Jesus is still talking. Does he ever talk to you? 
Amen? We should hear his voice and not follow another. Here, Jesus is talking, and while they watched, he was taken up. And I know I've watched all the Christian end time movies and uh, the big thing a few years ago, what was the name of it? The whole book series, Left Behind. And Anybody ever see all that stuff, the movies? There's a whole series about it, a book series, and they made movies about it, about Left Behind and what it was going to be like. And they made these movies about it, and all the Christians run out, and, oh, yeah, that's exactly how it's going to be. And they show airplanes crashing and burning and trains running off and just all this stuff. <laughs> Maybe it will happen like that. I don't know. But here it says that his disciples were standing there, and he was talking, and they was watching as he was caught up into the clouds. They watched it happen. And sure, it can be pretty fast. It don't say how much time elapsed between the time they was, he was speaking and when he was caught up, but it was a pretty quick event. I will give them that. But guess what? There's people watched. So whenever the rapture of the church happens, there's going to be some people standing around, and they're going to be over at Greg's shop with their feet kicked up, and Greg's going to be sitting there telling a story and trying to get them to Jesus and, and leading them and, you know, and teaching them truths and about the Bible. And all of a sudden, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen to where the Jesus is going to come, and he's going to stand on the clouds because his father tells him to, and he says, come up here, church. Paul says in first... Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. No, 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 no. First Corinthians chapter 15. He tells about what the glorified body would be like. He goes into great detail of what a glorified body is versus a, a non-glorified body. Look at your neighbor and say, they don't look very glorified to me. Amen. Ryan, I know you're hot and all that. And still ain't glorified, man. It's going to be better in heaven than that. Amen? It's going to be better in heaven than this. How many's got one of these bodies that don't work very good sometimes? Amen? Back hurts. Knees hurt. Hip pops out of joint every now and then. This body is corruptible. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that this, this corruption will put on incorruption. So in that moment when God calls the church out and raptures the church, we're going to put on a glorified body. It's going to be an awesome thing. You're going to get a body that never corrupts. It never corrodes. Your joints won't wear out. You don't have to get knee replacements in heaven. Amen? It's going to be a good day. So as this happens, they're all watching. There's going to be people watched when the rapture happens. And they're going to say, man, I heard that. I used to go to church when I was little, and they'd tell me about the rapture of the church, and before I become a Christian, it would scare me to death to go to sleep at night. Anybody with me? Amen. They used to preach heaven real and hell hot. Amen. I didn't want to go to hell, and I wanted to go to heaven. And whenever they would preach about the rapture of the church, I just knew if I lay down tonight, man, I better get right with God, but I'm scared because my friends won't like me at school and all this is going on and I ain't going to do that yet and I'll wait another weekend and I'll, I'll go to church next Sunday and I'll do it next Sunday. And then you go to church next Sunday and you stand there and you stand up and the preacher gives the invitation and you say, no, I'll go next Sunday. It's always next Sunday, right? But I'm too scared to go to sleep because I know there's a rapture. Are you prepared? Jesus told him to be prepared. The end times is about how this is a how-to guide to not fear the unknown. You don't have to have all that figured out. You don't have to have all the answers. The only thing you have to do, and we could read on and you guys can read on, you can read on your own. I was going to read all the way through Acts chapter 2. That's a long way to go. Read that on your own from here on out. But it talks about that in the last days, the prophet Joel said, upon your handmaidens, upon your old man's going to dream dreams, and your young man's going to have his visions, and all these different things that's going to happen. In the last days, the prophet Joe prophesied about it. It's in Acts chapter 2. And it tells about how they continued steadfastly 
in the doctrine of the apostles and they would break bread and they would commune together and they'd have fellowship and 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 leslie come home last night and she was ecstatic about hearing cindy's uh thing in her connection group is awesome she said man cindy did a really good job with her connection group devotional and sure we meet together to do other things and sure they did go down the creek on a kayak and sunk cubby and all that other stuff but <laughs> there was a little bit of jesus in it amen you can still have fun as a christian i wish there was a few older folks in here would say amen to that there's some young people in the room that needs to hear it. it's still fun to be a christian you don't a christian don't mean you're a fuddy-duddy amen we still have fun to put a little jesus in it i don't want you to live in fear about the rapture I want you to walk in faith and know that God has got this. And if there's some unknowns that you don't have it all figured out and you can witness to your friend about it this week and they'll say, well, what, where's that at in the Bible? And you'll say, I don't know, oh, no. You got Google. Yeah. Amen. You're better off what it used to be. I couldn't give no answers used to because I couldn't Google it. Now you got Google. You can figure it out. Just put the word rapture in there. It'll take you, it'll take you right to uh, Second Thessalonians or First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. It'll tell you. It'll talk about these other things. So I don't want you walking in fear. And this whole sermon series about the end times, I don't want you to fear the end times. If you are a Christian today, if you've given your life to Jesus and you've laid your faults and your sins and your failures out before him, you pled and you said, Jesus, I repent of my sins. The Bible says that his blood that he hung on the cross of Calvary will atone for your sins. He washed them away. You're white as snow today. And you can stand here without fear, knowing faith. If the rapture happens before we get out of this church service, if the rapture happens before we get to where we're going, Toro Loco, I'm going. Why? Because I know. There's something about faith of knowing. Amen. But there's a whole other thing to live in fear that I might not be ready. I don't want you walking in fear. Jesus don't want you walking in fear. Paul taught you not to walk in fear. So I want these verses. I want you to write these down if you've got notes. And we're going to put them on Faceworld for you too if you want them there. These two verses about fear. And I want these... I want these to be ingrained in our minds so much through this summer series that we will absolutely never fear another thing in our life. Somebody say, I'm ready for that. Amen. I'm tired of being a Christian and being afraid. I'm ready to have some faith. Here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but give us power, love, and a sound mind. Look at your neighbor and say, God didn't give you fear. He didn't. He, he don't want you walking in fear. He wants you to have power, dunamis power, to change your neighbor, to change your world. Amen. He wants you to have love, reckless love, like the song talks about, the way he loves you. He wants you to love your neighbor that way. Amen. Walk in love, and he wants you to have a sound mind. Amen. I know you was thinking, man, my neighbor needs that. You probably do too. We're all just broken. We're all a train wreck. We was up here talking there the night at the house, and Dusty was talking. He's down there with them kids right now, but he said, yeah, everybody's crazy but me. <laughs> we can talk about how crazy everybody else is. Amen. And try to act like we're not. You're just a broken crazy too. Amen? We're all crazy. It's okay. But God gives us a sound mind. Hebrews 13, 6. Hebrews writers writing back and telling the Hebrew church that you could boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. Amen. We can boldly say that. There's a difference in singing that you don't know the words. Anybody ever do that? If you don't know the words of the song, you sing them, and you might have it right, you might have it wrong, and you don't sing real loud. But if you know the words, you can sing them boldly, right? Then, then you, can, you can sing them pretty loud. Some people do that even when they don't know the words, but that's okay. It's a different type of person. That's one of the crazy ones I was talking about. <laughs> but I like singing boldly, right? I like singing loudly. 
when I can. I always tell Jill when I stand up here on the front row, I look at her and say, we're singing loud today. And she'll look up at me. If you do, I will. And the louder I get, the louder she'll get. It's awesome. Lead people along, right? Train them. Teach them while they're young. There ain't nothing wrong with singing in church. Come on, somebody. There ain't nothing wrong with singing. Making a joyful noise to the Lord. It don't say you have to be on key with Leslie. Just make a good noise. Amen. Do the best you can. The Lord is my helper. We can boldly say that. I wish there were some bold people in this room would just right now just say, the Lord is my helper. <laughs> I will not fear what men will do to me. Amen. I can walk on my job and know. Amen. The whole company can be against me. The superintendent, the whole outfit can be against me. The owner. But guess what? I ain't going to fear what man can do to me. Why? Because God can do something better. Amen. And I'm not telling you to go on there and be boastful and be arrogant and be rude. You're to be a humble servant of God. Amen. Amen. But God is your helper. Ain't no better help I'd want than the one that created heaven and earth to be my helper. Won't you stand? The end time rapture. We're close by. Amen. Hebrews says, I think it's Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that as you see the day approaching, assemble yourselves together much more as you see the day approaching. Be prepared. Encourage each other. Prod each other along. Parents, encourage your children to live a godly life. Encourage them not to wait. Encourage them to be prepared. Amen. Children, you may have parents that don't believe. You can do the same thing. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Everybody here, bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to ask you very simply, if you're here today, and you may say, Pastor Ben, I've heard the message today, and the Holy Spirit is working on my heart, and I know that I'm not prepared. And I know that if that trump of God would sound right now that I would be left behind and I'm living in fear and I want that faith that you're talking about I want to give my sins to Jesus I want to be set free if that's you I just want you to slip up your hand and let me know that that's you amen thank you for that hand Anybody else? Anybody else? There's others in the room that need to raise your hand. Don't be afraid and don't wait too long. Amen. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? wrote in Revelations and he told the church one church he said you need to do your first works over again this is where I believe that Christians can walk away from God he doesn't leave them they walk away from him I done it myself at 17 years old I walked to an altar and I prayed and God met me there and I know I was as saved as I ever was but it didn't take me long to slip back into the world and do the things I wanted to do. And I turned my back on him. And it took me all the way to the age of 22. Before I finally decided 
I'm living a reckless life and it's not good. And I went back to church and I gave my life to Jesus. I recommitted my life to Him. And it changed me again. There's some people in this room that you have been saved before and you've walked away from God. And you're living in fear knowing that you know the truth but you abandoned it. And you need to recommit your life to Him. If that's you, I just want you to raise up your hand and say, that's me. I'm ready to leave my sins behind. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Anybody else? I'm ready to live in faith. Amen. And the last call. Is there any Christians in this room that will say that you've been operating in fear? And today God has shown you you need to operate in faith. And you're tired of being afraid of everything in your life. And you're going to lay it down. You're going to say, God, teach me a new way. I want to walk in faith. Is that you? I want you to lift up your hand. Any, any Christian in the room, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Amen. Let us pray. Everybody here, repeat this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you that you gave your son Jesus in my place on the cross of Calvary. And his blood is covering my sins and washing me clean in this moment even now thank you for making me ready for eternity with you and thank you for erasing my fear in Jesus name Amen Amen